0: Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Don't forget, after the service, we have a little gift for you um, to pick that up on the way out, okay? We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 1 in a moment, and our new sermon series began last week in Proverbs. We'll be in Proverbs 1 in a moment. You know, there are some people uh, talk so much that they never hear what anyone else says. Case in point. The story is told that President Franklin Roosevelt on one occasion got tired of all the superficial talk at White House receptions. Everyone talks, but really no one listening to each other. So Roosevelt decided to put everyone to a test. As he met the guests at a social gathering, he would flash his big smile, extend his firm and confident handshake, and then say, I murdered my grandmother this morning. I murdered my grandmother this morning without fail. People would just smile back and say things like, "Uh, you're doing a great job, Mr. President. And uh, well, that's nice to hear. There was one exception. It was a foreign diplomat, and when Roosevelt said, I murdered my grandmother this morning without missing a beat, the foreign diplomat replied, well, I'm sure she had it coming to her. But, you know, isn't that the way with us so often? How good are you at really listening? And it's a super critical question to address, for it will determine the direction of our lives. As we began last week looking at the book of Proverbs, I touched on briefly the direct connection between listening and wisdom and not listening and foolishness. Well, the section we're looking at today, listening takes center stage. And the first word in our passage today in chapter one, verse eight, is the word, listen. The last verse in this section of chapter one, verse 33, wisdom speaks and says, but whoever listens to me, listens. Will we listen to what wisdom has to say? You show me a person who's wise, And I'll show you a person who has learned to listen well. As it's been said, wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. Well, there's that voice of wisdom that calls out. And as it does, you know, there's another voice that calls out to us. It's the voice of folly. And we'll see that today in Proverbs chapter 1 verses 8 through 33 and we're going to see it at other points in our time in Proverbs that there are two voices. Voice of wisdom, voice of folly. Which will we listen to? Well, if you aren't there, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. It's in the Old Testament. If you go to the book of Psalms, it's right next, take a right and you'll be in Proverbs. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you of a phrase uh, that occurs at least 18 times in the book of Proverbs, and we saw it for the first time uh, last week in our foundational key verse, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It is the phrase, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. We cannot have wisdom apart from fearing God. Like a, like a zipper on a coat. If we don't get it right to begin with, then the rest of it is off. Our fear of the Lord, that right relationship with God is the starting place in our search for wisdom, and it must stay with us if we are to continue in wisdom. Now, it is a fear uh, that, that, that not drives us away from God in terror, it's not that kind of fear. It is a, a fear that drives us to Him And awe and affection. It's the healthy fear of God that draws us to put ourselves in that safe place of trust and submission to God's best for our lives. You see, what we hold in our hands, and particularly the book of Proverbs, is a treasure chest of wisdom. That's why I would, I would strongly invite you, if not urge you, uh, to read a chapter of day in the book of Proverbs over, several times over the summer. And if you want to wait to a good starting place, it's July 1st, because it's 31 days in July, chapter day. And you come to August 1st, 31 days in August, chapter day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. I encourage you, work through this. It's a, it's a treasure chest of wisdom here. And as I said last week, it's more than a collection of cute little sayings that just give us some advice about life, like a fortune cookie. Its aim is to call us into a right relationship with God. It teaches us about the nuances of life and how to wise up in the world where we live. And So the wisdom of God found this very practical book offers us God's very best. So then, if that's the case, how does a person end up on the path to folly? I mean, no one really sets out wanting to be considered a fool. It's not not a flattering term. Well, it depends on which voice we listen to. All right, Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs chapter one, look with me. I always encourage you to follow along. I'm gonna spend most of my time on verses 20 through 33, but I wanna gather a couple of principles, though, in verses eight through 19. And our first principle comes out of verses eight and nine. Our principle number one is, listening to wisdom makes us attractive. Listening to wisdom makes us attractive. Well, when we listen to wisdom, it makes us attractive. All right, chapter one of Proverbs, verse eight very appropriate for Father's Day. It says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. There'll be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Now, what you need to do is kind of imagine a dad who's sitting down with his son, likely teenage son, and he's looking at his teenage son in the eye and he's giving him a straight talk about life. You see, dads, you cannot shield your children from the real world. But you can speak to them about what to expect. Dads, you still have a voice. Don't surrender it. Don't just throw your hands up and say, I can't compete with this. No, you still have a voice. You still have a much needed voice. And when you give instruction and teaching from God's word, they'll be attractive followers of God. God wants to put a wreath on their heads and a chain around their necks that show off who God is. You see, in ancient games, the winner would have this very attractive wreath placed on their head and a chain, I guess, we might think of similar to Olympic gold medal that would be placed around his neck. See, dads and moms as well, we have been given the task, primarily the task, To release attractive, impressive, image bearers who glorify God. That's our singular task. That's not a good sidetrack. The calling is much higher than releasing kids who graduate from Ivy League schools. It's much higher than, than kids we release who just make a lot of money or who are out for themselves in this world. It is higher than that. Shoot for something much higher than that. You see, parents have a responsibility to instruct And children have the responsibility to listen to it. And I know it isn't always cool to listen to your parents, but you'll be wiser young people for it. Young person, you are a fool if you can't accept the advice and correction of those in authority over you. You slam your door and your parents teaching, you are a fool. And the mentality today is a lot like, and really worse, than in the 60s when Bob Dylan wrote, come mothers and fathers throughout the land and don't criticize what you can't understand. Now get this next line. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your commands. Your old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand for the times they are changing Yes, they are. That was written in the 60's. We've come a long way since then, haven't we? No, no, the times are changing where godly counsel is not given and when it's not listened to. Well, it's in verses 10 through 19, we listen in on a father speaking to his son. And that brings us to verse 10 and principle number two. Don't take advantage of others and avoid those who do. Bottom line of verses 10 through 19, don't take advantage of others and avoid those who do. The father here gives strong warning to his son. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, and he's thinking of a specific kind of sinner here, one who's given to violence. If sinners entice you, Here's a voice here. Do not give in to them. If this voice says, come along with us. Let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. And then he goes on to speak of those bent on violence and thievery. And his advice is, avoid them. Look at verse 15. My son, do not go along with them. Do not even set foot on their path. Whose paths? Well, context. Those who live for themselves at the expense of others. Now, the heart-to-heart with our kids is likely, likely not going to be about staying away from some gang, which seems like what he's talking about here, or or even those who rob people's homes. I mean, that's probably not on your top ten list of concerns, right? But I think there's a clear application in, in these verses. What is it we all run into? What would be helpful to speak to our children about and to apply to our own lives? Taking advantage of others for our own gain. It's driven by a way of thinking that says, me first and I don't care what it may cost you. And that shows up in many forms. It, it can show up in the in, in form of bullying or, or manipulating others or verbal abuse in which you rob someone of their dignity. It could be adults, young people as well. It could be this business deal that takes care of you at the expense of others. And you know what? It can even show up in church. This me first, I don't care what it may cost you, can even show up in, a ch- in church where someone is so set on getting his or her own way that it hurts the rest of the church. And what, what's that all about? Well, in James chapter 4, it puts it rather bluntly and we're going to be looking at James when we come to, to, to the fall. But James 4 verse 1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Get this, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. That's exactly what this guy is trying to say to his son and to us here in chapter one. Don't get drawn into the fighting. Don't step foot on the path of fools who are greedy for unjust gain, as it speaks about in verse 19. Stay clear away from those who are so self-absorbed That they will backstab anyone and everyone who blocks them from getting what they want. So the voice of folly calls out, don't listen to it. Don't take advantage of others and avoid those who do. That's what this dad's speaking about to his son. All right, principle number three. Principle number three, we have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. We have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. Now, in verses 20 through 33, there's another voice that calls out. You see that in verse 20. This is a a voice to be listened to. It's the voice of wisdom. But I want us to see here that in these verses, we encounter wisdom personified as a woman who's calling out to people demanding that they listen to her. Now, this is just kind of where my mind goes. But just, just remember that this is a dad talking to his son. And if he wants to get his teenage son's attention, talk about women. So he says, son, I have just the right girl for you. (laughs) She's really hot. (laughs) Her name's Wisdom. My 17-year-old says, dad, we don't use that phrase anymore. I don't care. Verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares, the head of the noisy street. She cries out. in The gateways of the city, she makes her speech. Now, Wisdom here, as I said, is personified as a woman. And all the women in this room are nodding. Of course, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> but in that culture, women were not given the same voice as men, so this personification that's gonna stand out. Lady Wisdom, she's crying out, she's raising the voice, she's shouting and speaking. The calling. Out here really is kind of a picture, and we don't really have our minds around this in today's world, but of a town a crier in the streets with this great sense of urgency. Because in today's world, we have all sorts of technology that provide us with ways to hear the news. But back in days gone by, and yes, before me, there was this town crier who was the source of news for the community. And he would stand in the village square, and he'd preface his announcements with a familiar cry, Hear ye! Hear ye! That's what's going on here. Now, it's worth noting where the town crier, Lady Wisdom, is located. Where might we expect to find this wisdom? Hear this voice calling out. You might say, well, in religious places, uh, in churches, cathedrals, temples. No, no, the surprise here is that God's wisdom positions herself in the marketplace, the noisy streets and city gates. See, God looks for us. In the ordinary places where we live our lives, where we build our relationships, where we learn our skills, where where we seek good health, that's where God's wisdom can be heard. Everyone can hear. Everyone can, but not everyone will. But we have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. See, our problem is not really that wisdom is hard to find, but it's listening to it. So she shouts. Why must God's wisdom come across as loud? Well, here's my take on it. I think it's because of all the noise. There, there are so many voices calling out to us to be heard. I mean, there are trendy voices. There are media voices. There are political voices. There are religious voices. There, there's voices from entertainment. There are many voices calling out to us in the streets. And at times, frankly, it is very difficult to know which one to listen to. A little girl would send to her room for a disobedience. And then after a few minutes, the mom went in to kind of walk her through what just happened. Well, teary-eyed, the girl asked, Mommy, why do we do wrong things? Well, the mom said, when you're about to do something wrong, there's, there's this voice inside of you that's telling you not to do it. That's likely God speaking. You need to listen to God. To which the girl replied, but Mommy, God doesn't talk loud enough. Is that really the problem? Mm, Not really. We don't listen. And from the time we were young, there were voices telling us to do this and to do that. During teenage years, the the voices uh, of our peers are often at odds with the parental voices heard at home. There's lots of voices with advice on how we must live life and and how to be popular and and how to get the right job and how to make money and how to look good and how to be happy and this is how you're supposed to look, so on and so forth. There's so many voices that, that the noise can be deafening and we kind of go, which voice can we really trust? Well, above all the noise of the city, above all the lifestyle options and advice, above all the noise that goes around in our life, above all that, above all that, the voice of wisdom is shouting at us. Wisdom calls out. How's your hearing? Reminded of the story of an elderly man who had serious hearing problems for a number of years. Whenever the family would get together, he couldn't participate at all because he could not hear what everybody else was saying. His family tried again and again to convince him to get a hearing aid. And finally, he relented and he went to the doctor and he was fitted for a set of hearing aids that provided him with nearly 100% hearing. The doctor encouraged him, try these hearing aids out for a mo- couple of months and then return for the off- in the office for a checkup. And so he did. He, he wore them for a couple of months. He went back to the doctor and, and the doctor checked him out and he smiled and said, your hearing is almost perfect. Your family must be very pleased that you can hear again. And the old man replied, oh, oh I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and listen to their conversations. <laughs> And he says, I've changed my will half a dozen times. <laughs> how good you're hearing, more accurately. How good are you at listening, at listening? Wisdom's calling out to those who pass by. She has such important things to say, and the irony is that so few people are listening to their voice. That's the point of these verses. Nobody seems to care, nobody listens. Why? Well, we get too busy to stop and listen to Wisdom. We have too many things to do. We've got to get home to the family. We've got to get to work. We've got to go see that movie. We've got to go to that board meeting. We've got to pick up a child from soccer. There's so, there's so much we have to do. We just kind of blow off Lady Wisdom. And Lady Wisdom can't understand that. She cries out in verse 22. Notice this. How long? How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Notice there that the, the call goes out to three groups. Simple, markers, fools. And they really kind of overlap in their willful uh, rebellion. That's what they're marked by. But, but if we were to split hairs and the three audiences' wisdom addresses, we could say that simple are those who believe anything but examine nothing. They're going to check their brains at the door. The markers are those who think they know everything, so they're just going to push everybody else away. And the fools are those who are ignorant of truth, Because of their own willful stubbornness. And so Lady Wisdom, she can't understand why people ignore her. And she cries out, how long? How long? How long before you realize that ignoring God is foolish? I mean, why is it that we can accomplish great things yet be in such a mess morally? Well, all you have to do Read the front page of the newspaper, check out the headlines online or whatever is your news source and you can see how on the one hand we can show off our brilliance and on the other hand we can reveal the true condition of living life absent of God. I want to reach back to July 1969. In July 1969, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. At the same time that this was happening, this great accomplishment of Neil Armstrong landing on the the moon, the news media also got wind of Ted Kennedy and the suspicious incident off the bridge of Chappaquiddick, in which the woman he was with, who was not his wife, died in the accident of the car driven by Kennedy. Now, interestingly... The newspapers were deeply conflicted about which was more important and what to put on the front page, landing on the moon or this moral dilemma. I think, wow, that's a picture still true today of the condition of things in society. We're able to get to the moon, but we don't know how to handle ourselves properly. We might be intelligent, but are we wise? The cry goes out, how long? How long, America? How long? How long, dads? How long? How long will we push God aside doing everything else we want to do? How long? Now, don't miss it. The heart of God here is pained by people ignoring him. He stands ready to pour out his wisdom to all who turn from their own stubborn ways and listen to what he has to say. Look at verse 23. If, wisdom speaking, if you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. See, we have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. Now listen, sometimes that opportunity comes in the form of rebuke. Will we listen to his rebuke? His voice might be saying to you today, some area of your life, stop it. Be done with it. Enough's enough. That thing that's grieving God, you need not let go of it. I might be saying that to you today. That's a rebuke. Is God rebuking you in some area of your life? Well, it's another opportunity to gain wisdom. Don't be stubborn. Don't ignore that voice. Because what will come of those who continue to ignore wisdom's call in any area of their life? What will happen to those who reject what wisdom has to say? Principle number four. Principle number four, failure to listen to wisdom invites disaster. Failure to listen to wisdom invites disaster. And what we see in verses 24 through 32 really is a portrait of a fool. I want to just pick out a few verses. Now, you can read all of it yourself later on, but I just want to pick out a few verses. And as I do, listen to the descriptive words used for a fool. Verse 24, speaking of a fool. But since you rejected me, rejected me when I called. Verse 25, since you ignored all my advice. Verse 29, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Verse 30, since they would not accept my advice. You see it? Here's a description of a portrait of a fool. Rejected, ignored, or neglected. Hated knowledge, would not accept Some common synonyms for those words today would be stubbornness or indifference or defensiveness or unyielding. And I pause here and I say, is is that describing you these days? God's trying to give you some, some signals and you're just blowing them off. Now imagine if you can. And I borrow this from someone else. Some of you like it, it's his fault. But imagine if you can that you're on the pitching mound, and you're the pitcher, and you're pitching the ball to Jesus, who is the catcher. I know, just stay with me. And the batter comes up to the bat, and, and, the, and the catcher, Jesus, he drops a, a signal for the pitch that he wants you to throw. And he signals a fastball, and you go, no, 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 you shake it off, no, I don't wanna throw the fastball. He signals, all right, and he signals a slider, and again you say, no, 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 no I don't wanna do that either. He then gives you a third signal, and you go, no, thank you. That's not the pitch I want to throw. So he gives these signals, these simple commands, but you refuse to go along with it, and you want to do your own thing. So he says, you know what? I'm going to stop giving you the signals. You're on your own. And so you can just throw whatever you want. So to continue with the analogy, you throw this pitch. To, it's an easy one, and the, and the batter hits it over, over the park, out of the park for a home run. And you go, why didn't I Listen to the signal. Is there a signal that God has been trying to give you that you've ignored or that I have ignored because we don't want to obey? Have you been blowing off God's signals lately? He keeps throwing down different ones. You go, no, uh-uh. Thanks, but no thanks. If so, by the authority of God's word, I can say to you, it will not end well. Case in point, verse 26. I, wisdom, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. I'll mark when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind. When distress and trouble overwhelms you. That's not a very pretty picture. Let it be said that every time we fight against wisdom, we lose. What's the warning to those who continually re- reject wisdom? A storm is coming. I don't know what that would be for you. It might be, the storm really might be you get what you want. (laughs) The storm might be your dream dies. You don't know what happened. got all smashed. It might be, your storm might be when you're finally found out. Or when you feel your life spinning out of control. Or when you start to sense this distance between you and God. I don't know what it is, but mark this. We can't continue to reject God's wisdom, expect to be protected from the storm. From disasters of our own making. See, we can't have it both ways. We can't enjoy God's presence and live outside the boundaries of wisdom at the same time. The warning's clear here. We can't go beyond God's fences. He has put up for us to protect us. And then cry out to him to bail us out. Is that often the case? Look at verse 28. This is what happens. Storm comes, disaster's there. Then they'll call out to me, I will not answer. Then they'll look for me, but will not find me. You see, we walk around with our hands over our ears toward God saying, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Then disaster's results come into our life. We make a mess of things. Troubles follow those who, 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 who are about foolish decisions. And then we expect God to come through and remove all the consequences, clean up the mess we just made. Come on, God, where are you? When those consequences come, it's too late to undo the consequences, not other things. I'm not talking about that. That's a warning to us. A dad was explaining to his three daughters the meaning of Lent. And he got all into what it meant and the purpose of it. And then he wanted to challenge them with this. He said, it Lent is a time to give up something that means a lot to you. So the oldest daughter just chimes right in and says, you know, I'm going to give up sweets. And the middle daughter says, yeah, me too. I'm going to give up desserts. And then the youngest daughter, a six-year-old, is kind of pondering the question a little bit longer. And then she replies confidently, you know what? I want to give up consequences. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And you know, sometimes our sorrow is because we don't want to live with the consequences. That's worldly sorrow. I mean, can you think of a time when you say, why didn't I listen? Failure to listen invites disaster. The w- voice of wisdom calls out. We have sufficient opportunities to gain wisdom. The tragedy is that people don't listen to it. Verse 31, they'll eat the fruit of their ways, more consequences, they'll be filled with the fruit of their schemes. In other words, you cannot choose the way of foolishness without reaping consequences. So we find the chilling words here, verse 32, the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools destroys them. The whole point is to kind of get the shock of that. People kill themselves by being complacent, by not bothering to make the effort to listen to God's Wisdom, we in essence commit suicide. The irony is biting. We think we're gonna enjoy life by doing what we think is best and kind of leave God out of the picture. But in reality, our foolish ignoring of God's wisdom is the path that leads to death because life minus the fear of the Lord equals a dead end streets, futility, and disastrous results of our own making show up in our life. There was a sign in an office that said, If you could kick the person responsible for most of your troubles, you wouldn't be able to sit down for weeks. (laughs) Yeah, that's an ouch all the way around. Well, after giving us nine verses on the portrait of a fool, nine verses, the portrait of a fool, there's one verse on the alternative the better way. One verse. The brevity compared to the lengthy speech that precedes it only emphasizes the appeal. Here's the final principle. I call it the bottom line principle for this morning, our takeaway. Wisdom is the only thing that protects us from troubles of our own making. Wisdom is the only thing that protects us from troubles of our own making. I base that on verse 33. But whoever listens to me, wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Now notice it says, whoever. Whoever. Everyone and anyone qualify. There is room for everyone here in this room for that word, whoever. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Wisdom is the only thing that protects us from troubles of our own making. And all the problems is gonna go on to continue to build on this foundation. But I stop here and I ask the question of myself. Are we listening to him? Are we listening to wisdom? Are we listening to what God has to say? Then that will protect us from troubles of our own making. If not, we're inviting disaster. On April 18th, 1874, thousands of people were lined up on the London embankment as a funeral procession was heading for uh, Westminster Abbey. Among this crowd of people, there was this one person, this rather shabbily dressed man. He stood at attention with his hat in his hand. He was dressed in in tattered clothes. His, His toes were sticking out of his shoes, and he was penniless. He had nothing. The funeral procession was for the man David Livingston, missionary explorer in the heart of Africa. As the body of David Livingstone passed by, the shabbily dressed man who had nothing kept saying, you were right, Davy. You were right, Davy. You were right, Davy. Someone overheard him and asked, what are you saying? What do you mean you were right, Davy? What, what, what are you talking about? Well, the man said, "The shabbily dressed man said, you know, David Livingstone and I grew up together. We went to the same church. We, we went to the same Sunday school. And when I got to be 18 years old, I went to David Livingstone and I said, David, I'm leaving the church. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make some money. I'm going to go do my own thing. Someday, he, said, he went on to say, I said to David Livingstone, someday I'll come back. Someday I'll be a real Christian. But first, I want to make my mark in the world.'" And David Livingston said to me, there's no way to truly live outside of Jesus Christ. You're making a terrible mistake. Oh, no, no. I said to him, we'll find out. And then I said, "Davy, you are a fool. And I went my own way all my life. Never got back to God, never went to church. I've never seen David Livingston until this day as his coffin passed by. And all I can say is, you were right, Davy. You were right. Where do you need to admit in your life right now that your way was the wrong way? Well you need to say, turn towards God, turn towards God's wisdom, and say, God, you were right. You were right. Wisdom calls out to you. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. And he who has ears, let him listen to the word of God. Let's pray. God, we are excited about this new study and we know It's not really difficult to understand as it was when we went through Daniel, but it's difficult to apply it in the sense of it's gonna be hard. Well, I don't really wanna do that. And so on a very practical level, the challenge as we go through Proverbs is not the difficulty of understanding with our minds, it's living it out in our lives. You make it clear, God, to build your life on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. For everything else is like sinking sand. There's no place to build our lives. So may this final song be the prayer and the cry of our heart to build our life on you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.